um, take a moment to introduce our guests uh, just off the top of my head. I have known pastors Ron and Anna Rust for, my goodness, we're into 15 plus years probably, and uh, easily, and Pastor Ron and I served together downtown at Evangel probably for like eight years. We were on staff together. I see Marie-José is there, and of course her husband Don Mann was our, our leader, and uh, many precious memories of serving together, and uh, Pastor Ron went on to pastor at Trinity Pentecostal Church in La Salle, and his wife also served with him as well, both ordained ministers, and um, uh, served there for how long, 15 years or 15 and a half years, did a tremendous job there, and now Pastor Ron has retired, entre guillemets, so... That means in quotes, retired. So uh, with him, I don't know if that's really a possibility. He's shaking his head like this. They have been tremendous supporters of our church when we launched uh, seven years ago and uh, in many different ways. And so we're going to just turn it over to them and uh, let them share this morning. We've got, they're both going to speak. So yeah, Simon, if you could help with the, the arrangement of everything, would you please welcome pastors Ron and Anna Russ this morning. Well, good morning. <laughs> it's so nice to be here. The last time I was here, Pastor Joe, was uh, Mother's Day 2017. Well, no, that's not true. I was here last fall, but that's the last time I spoke here. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, good memories. And, uh, yeah, such a privilege to be able to be back and share. We've known Pastor Joe and Janet, obviously, for quite a while, since 2001, actually. So it's been now 22 years this year, and so time flies. Uh, we really appreciate the opportunity to share with you a bit our story. You all have your own stories, and we're no one special, except by the grace of God, we stand before you today. Um, we appreciate, though, Pastor Joe and Janet. They're, they're inspiring and loving, devote, devoted, passionate. I don't know what other adjectives to add to it. Um, you're, you're privileged to have them as your pastor today, and you need to honor them and to thank God that they have, uh, God has placed them, placed them here for you. Our goal this morning is to uh, encourage the family, couples, singles, parents, even children, that despite the struggles of the seasons of life, uh, there's hope. And our prayer this morning is that the Lord will restore joy and peace in your lives. And my prayer even is that in a situation you're going through, because at the end we're going to talk about honey from the rock, and honey of healing, sweetness of deliverance, peace, freedom, I don't know what you need this morning in the rock place you're in, but we're believing that by the end of this service, even for those who are online this morning, that God would do something supernatural in your life, that you wouldn't just know a historical Jesus or some kind of biblical passages, but you would experience the living God and the living Christ in your life, and he would do something special for you because he does love you. So Pastor Anna, I turn to you to open up. 
So we're going to be sharing on the seasons of life, and we're going to start with winter. When I say winter, what do you think of? Oh, definitely cold, snow, frigid temperatures like we had last week, and then it warmed up. Lack of sunlight, mm, barren, dormant. And sometimes our lives reflect that season. There are conflicts in relationships, there are needs that are not met, relationships that are dying, loss of intimacy, isolation, maybe hopelessness, powerlessness leading to self-pity and, and depression. We've all experienced those winter seasons in our lives. So I'd like to share from one of my winter seasons. I had a great childhood. I grew up in a very loving Christian home, gave my heart to the Lord. When I was five or six at my bedside, my mom led me to Jesus. And as a teenager, I felt called to ministry. And so off I went to Bible college after Sejep. I met my first husband there, and we were married after graduation. I could sense throughout our marriage that something was wrong. He had erected uh, walls that I couldn't seem to penetrate. And uh, after almost three years of marriage, while we were celebrating my birthday, he looked at me and said, Anna, I'm tired of a double life. I'm gay and I'm coming out of the closet. Well, that isn't quite the birthday present I was expecting that evening. I could... Uh, say that, oh, I was just devastated. Um, at 26 years of age, uh, I wasn't expecting this. We were in ministry, and it was just beyond my comprehension. Um, he, wouldn't, he couldn't promise me faithfulness. He wouldn't go for counseling. And so three months later, we separated, and I came back to Montreal because this was home. Talk about a winter season. I felt at times that God was a million miles away. I wondered if he was on vacation, if he even knew what was going on in my life. I was broken and I was wounded. But you know what? I had determined that through this trial, I would be a victor through Jesus Christ and not a victim of circumstances. Eight years later, I received a phone call from my ex-husband who told me he had now come down with AIDS, and he died seven months later. In, I saw him a few days before his death, and he kept insisting that he had his own way to God, that he didn't need my Jesus. Proverbs 14:12 says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And his life is a sad story of a man who chose to do his own thing. And in the end, lost both physical, uh, he, he went through physical death, but also spiritual death. At one time or another, you will go through a winter season. You may be in one right now. Perhaps you have been diagnosed with a terminal illness. Perhaps you have suffered financial loss. Maybe you're separated and divorced. And sometimes, as a separated or divorced person, we feel like we're second-class citizens. But God doesn't see us that way. He doesn't. He's the God of a second chance, and he does have a purpose and a plan for our lives as long as we are willing to submit to that plan, submit to him, and trust him. 
So, um, yeah, and that's what I have done. I have chosen to trust him. I placed my hand in his hand, and I trusted that he would show me the way in my life. My winter season is a bit the following. Brought up in a very loving Catholic family. My father played the organ at church. My mother sang in the choir. My brother was an altar boy. And we went to church every Sunday. And a lot of happy memories growing up. I remember my father come home from work. and We'd go down to St. Helens Island. And my mother would prepare a beautiful picnic basket. And we'd go there and roast marshmallows at nighttime. It was just a good time. Until my mother started to have bouts of depression. She had chronic depression. They tried to help her by giving her drugs and giving her electric chalk treatments, and it just made things worse. To the point that she started to going to alcohol. She became an alcoholic, and she struggled. Eventually, she found some deliverance and went to AA and uh, was able to stop. But the depression was so heavy upon her uh, that eventually she took her life. She just couldn't seem to want to live anymore. At that time when she passed away, she was 42 years old, and I was 18, and, and then my sister, 20, and my other brother was 15, and, and then my sister was six years old. And we were devastated. I remember as if it was yesterday that my uncle told me, my mother, your mother just passed away. And I remember going out to a field by myself, raising my fist toward heaven and saying, if there's a God, I will never believe in him. How can a God that, who says he loves me take the mother that we need in our lives? And I was very, very angry. And over the next six months, I went through a lot of internal searching of my soul. But one thing I did notice was my father, he had had an experience with Jesus meeting with some men on a Saturday morning. One was a Catholic, one was a Presbyterian, one was a Pentecostal, um, different. And they met just around the Bible, and there he met Jesus in his life. Heavy, heavy smoker. Used to have two packs a day of cigarettes, six pipes, and all kinds of cigars. And I remember how he put a little New Testament in his pocket, and God delivered him. One of the first things happened, he, he was free of cigarettes. And I saw a piece inside of him at the funeral that I wondered, what was it happening? What drugs is he taking? And it was just Jesus, peace in his heart. And six months later, eventually, uh, I came to my own salvation where I found Jesus in my life. Uh, and this was the verse that came to me in John 4 and verse 13 and 14. It's, Jesus says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And I can remember so clearly that day in church in Dorval. And the pastor said, is anyone thirsty for God? And I said, I'm thirsty, I'm angry, I'm empty. And I lifted my hand, and that day, Jesus came in my life on March 12, 1972. It was like a real experience where I felt cleansed inside, forgiven, and I felt God so real in a way I'd never felt before. 
And, but then I went to Bible college. My, my life changed around. I, I wanted to become an engineer, but now all of a sudden in my heart, there was just this desire to talk about Jesus. And I went to a Bible college, got married to a beautiful woman from PEI, and we had 12 years together, three children. My wife got cancer. She died at 34 years old, leaving me as a widower now with three children, nine, seven, and two. It wasn't easy during this time to know that we go through situations that are so devastating, but God gave me the verse in Psalm 84, which says this, blessed are those whose strength is in you, who set their hearts on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca or tears. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover with pools and they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. And God somehow in this moment of weakness would give us strength. In a moment of feeling empty, God would give hope. And this is where we leave the story in the winter season. And I bring it to Anna for the spring. So after winter, spring comes, and we all welcome spring. We welcome the warmth of, of the days, of the sun. We uh, enjoy the, the new blossoms of, of uh, flowers and trees and, and uh, you know, the grass becoming green again. And so it is when spring returns to our lives. There's a new beginning, new opportunities. Uh, we feel uh, revitalized, uh, refreshed, and uh, relationships come alive again. Well, I was alone for 10 years after my ex-husband and I split up. And it wasn't always easy, especially being a woman in ministry. But God was and has been more than faithful towards me. I really thought ministry was over for me when I came home and, you know, having experienced separation and then divorce. But God doesn't put us on a shelf and forget all about us. He really doesn't. If you keep open to him, if you keep faithful to him, if you keep following the path that he has chosen for you, he will be more than faithful towards you. And he opened these doors that I never dreamed I would walk through. He took me places I never thought I'd go. And I um, finally end up in a big church in Toronto, over 1,600 people, a pastor on staff. That's what God does. If you continue to keep faithful towards him, he opens those doors and gives you that second chance. I was very busy and active for him, but I have to say that there were times that I experienced real loneliness within, and I remember weeping one night on my bed, and uh, I had a puppy at that time. She was on the bed with me, and all of a sudden we could hear somebody climbing up the stairs to the second floor where the bedroom was. And then a presence came into the bedroom and the, my puppy jumped off the, the bed and made room for the Holy Spirit who came and laid down beside me. I could feel the bed moving and then I felt his arms wrap himself around me and he allowed me to weep on his shoulder that night as I cried and cried. And you know what, he was so, uh, he was so there in a real tangible way that he began to whisper sweet nothings in my ears. He was there to comfort me and to strengthen me, and I felt those loving arms around me. 
And I felt like I was loved and, and precious by, to God. Deuteronomy 33:27 says, "The eternal God is our refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms." And that night, I experienced those arms in a real and tangible way. This was a time of healing, a time to learn to love again and to trust. And Psalms 147 and 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And he does do that. It was coming to the first anniversary of my ex-husband's death. And I was awakened early one morning, about 3 a.m. And these words kept coming to mind. And I thought I should get up and write them. But you know, at 3 a.m. in the morning, sleep is a lot more precious than getting up and writing these words. And yet I knew that if I didn't get up, they wouldn't be there in the morning. But uh, I put my head back on the pillow. And all of a sudden, I was pushed out of the bed. And I believe that was the Holy Spirit pushing me out of the bed. And so I got up and wrote the words that were coming and, and put them aside. And in the morning when I looked at it, I thought, wow, this is, this is good. I think I'm going to send it into the Pentecostal testimony. Maybe they'll use it as an article. And the Pentecostal testimony is our monthly magazine that our fellowship, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, puts out. And lo and behold, my article appeared in the October issue of 1988. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because people always would tease me about, you know, putting an ad in the testimony saying, uh, smart, uh, young woman looking for, you know, a tall, handsome man. I mean, they were teasing me. People are always trying to set you up when you're single. And, um, but, but this article did actually bring me my, my man. <laughs> well, my spring season was now I'm a widower. I have three kids, nine, seven, and two. I'm operating the best I can with nannies now to help me take care of the kids when I go to work. And I'm not enjoying really the food or the recipes. It just wasn't the same. I'm an associate pastor in a large French uh, church in Laval. And I read this article in the Pentecostal testimony. It's from Anna. And as I look at it, um, I realize that we have known each other. We graduated from Bible college in 76 from this, in the same class, but we had lost sight of each other over 10 years. We really didn't know where, what was happening in each other's life. So I read through the article, and I remember going through it, and eventually came to the little picture, which was at the end of the second page. And that was the picture. It was maybe two centimeters by two centimeters, black and white. And I looked at it, and I said to myself, not bad, not bad at all. And I remember after that saying, I think I'm going to write her a letter. And basically, I was praying, Lord, if it's your will, I'll fill her in on what's happened to me. My wife had passed away, and ministry was going forward. Appreciate your article and the testimony. And I say, Lord, if you would, maybe she could read between the lines. Maybe there would be more than just, what is that face value? And so Anna received this letter, but I got no answer for a month until... So yeah, I did receive his letter, and I read three kids, a widower. Oh, it just happened. Oh, I don't know if I should be reading between the lines. And so I buried his letter under a stack of, of books. And I, I thought, no, no, I can't think about this right now. 
And a month later, I had a dream about his wife. And uh, we were in his home. I'd never been to his home. He lived in, Montre in Laval. And uh, she, was, she was there in a beautiful white linen robe, big smile on her face, with a broom sweeping the floor. And I looked at her and I said, Audrey, like, what are you doing here? You should be up in heaven praising the Lord and, you know, just worshiping him and with your beautiful gown. And she looked at me and she goes, Anna, I'm making a place for you. And I thought, oh, my goodness. So I, I uh, couldn't sleep the rest of the night. And in the morning, I decided, OK, I'm not writing him. I'm going to call. And so I called the church that he was at and uh, thought, well, I'll talk with him and see what's up. So there I am in a staff meeting. And we're having staff. But a long distance call comes in from you know outside. And, and so the secretary has permission that if there's long distance calls, you can interrupt the staff meeting. Well, she says a long distance call, so I go to the next office and pick up the phone and say, hello. And she says, this is Anna. I said, Anna? I said, just one minute, please. And I put the phone on hold and I ran down the corridor and I got into my office and I closed the door and I sat in my chair and I picked up the phone and I said, hi, Anna, how are you? Long time, we haven't talked to each other. And so we started talking together, and this was in November, I believe it was, and um, I found out that she was coming back to visit her family uh, in, uh, for Christmas. And so I said, listen, you know, around Christmas time, let's go out for a coffee and catch up a bit and just see how things are going. And so, uh, yeah, the 22nd of December came along, and we went out for, I remember it was Teramare, I think it was, and I, I got her a cherry jubilee, which was cherries inside of chocolates. Boy, I really struck it well that day. And I remember we talked together. It was just a bit awkward, but yet also it was natural. It just seemed right. And uh, then Christmas, we were in our respective families, after Christmas, I just said, listen, Anna, why don't we just go out again, you know? And I took her downtown, I think it was the IMAX theater, and they had some kind of documentary on birds. And so we watched the birds out there on this big IMAX theater, took her out to a, for a cheesecake afterwards. Uh, and we had a nice evening together on the Monday night. So I went out Thursday, 22nd, now we're the 26th, I think it would be. And then all of a sudden, I said, well, why don't we go again on Tuesday? I got, she, she invited me to meet her family. So I said, OK, I'll go to your place on Tuesday night, family reunion. Got to meet everybody, and that was great. And we left it like that. Wednesday came along. We hadn't made any plans, but I was doing the Bible study in our church. And I phoned her at 6.30, and I said, listen, how would you like to have another coffee tonight? I think that would be nice. And so she said, sure. I said, listen, I'm doing the Bible study tonight, and um, I'll make it short. And I make sure I will finish on time. And I will be there at such a time. And I got there real nice and early. And we went out for another coffee together on the Wednesday night. Well, now Thursday's coming along. And I say, Anna, listen, it's my parents' anniversary. They're visiting from Mississauga. Why don't we go with the four of us and have supper together? And we went out for supper together. Now, we're talking one week later, of course. And uh, we had a great time, took my parents home, and I was taking her home. But before I could bring her home, 
something overcame me to the point where I said, listen, let's just spend a bit more time talking together. I just pulled into a, a, a commercial parking lot. It wasn't the nicest parking Most lot. Most unromantic place he could find. Yeah. But anyhow, this was impromptu, and I, I pulled in there. We, stopped, we just started talking together, and it just a conversation got going. And, and all of a sudden, I looked around and I said, Anna, will you marry me? <laughs> now, you know, usually after a week, you don't do those type of things. You might want to get the approval of your pastor before, maybe going forward, an important decision. But since I'm already a pastor, I asked myself, and I said, sure. And so basically, she responded and said, yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I remember that night going home and going to, falling asleep and saying, Lord, thank you so much. You've answered my prayer. You brought a beautiful woman into my life that loves you and that will love my children and I won't have to be alone anymore. This is, not, you know, this is just a few months after my wife went to be with the Lord. But she went home and she said, Oh my, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't regretting the decision, but I thought, wow, I'm going to go back to Toronto, and they're going to say, did you have a great vacation? Oh, yes, I'm engaged to be married. <laughs> it's like, really? What happened? Oh, lots. <laughs> and then we, a few months later, three and a half months later, we got married. Okay, don't jump. That's our summer season. Oh, okay. Right there. Oh, sorry. <laughs> the winter season. Not the spring season now, and uh, we got married in front of 900 people. And uh, I remember clearly that it was just with the three kids there, and Anna and myself. It's just like things had turned around in God's timing, and we were entering in now to a new season. So spring, let me just bring it to a conclusion. Don't rush the time of healing. Allow yourself to bask in the love of the Lord. Keep trusting him and keep active for him. Be patient and you will see that God will come through for you. So summer, everything's in full bloom. Everything is flourishing. It's just so beautiful, enjoying the sunsets and the long walks and the abundance of things. And ooh, it's sizzling, it's hot. It's just very special time of the year. And as we stood together on our wedding day, we looked forward with hope and anticipation of sharing our lives together. Our love grew and uh, our summer season produced uh, wonderful memories with our children. But you know, even in the summer months, there are storms, you know, those big thunderstorms, downpours of rain. I have to say, life was very busy. The laundry, the cooking, I mean, it did for five people now. And uh, it was just overwhelming. And then four months into the marriage, I discover I'm pregnant. Yeah, surprise, surprise. And my mother said, well, that's what happens when you sleep with a man. Yeah, thanks, Ma. And at 20 weeks, it was December 1st, halfway through my pregnancy, my water breaks. And Ron takes me to the hospital, and they say, well, if there's not enough water around your baby, we're going to suggest an abortion. Well, when I heard that and the doctor left, I began to pray and pray and pray, God, this can't be happening. And he led me to the scripture in Genesis 21, verse 17, where Hagar is in the desert, and she's crying for water for her and her child. 
And it says, God heard the boy crying. And verse 19 says, God provided water. And when I read that, I thought, Lord, I need water around my baby. Faith was welling inside of me. And I just stepped out and said, Lord, I need three things from you. I need enough water that she will survive. I need to be safe from infection and my child also. And we need the necessary time for survival. You know, they say 50% of the babies born at 24 weeks. Well, Tanya was born at 24 weeks, New Year's Day, 1990, and it was rough for two and a half months. We didn't know whether she'd live or die. And uh, she made it through, and it was in March. They said, you know, you don't have to worry. She will survive, but we can't guarantee the quality of her life. She had three operations, two for her eyes, but you know, God came through. People, many people were praying. Many people from Evangel who are here today were praying at that particular time. And today she's a beautiful woman, a 33 years of age, a psychotherapist and serving the Lord. She just a miracle of God, a miracle of God. Well, here I am in my summer season, new wife, partner in ministry. And for the next 33 years, we would say there were many beautiful summer experiences, new church ventures, 33 years of ministry, whether it be at uh, a large church in Laval, or then after that, uh, planting a brand new church in Montreal North, uh, which grew and uh, starting just with a few people, became academic dean at the Bible College uh, at Institut Québec, and then associate pastor with Pastor Don Mann at the Evangel Church, uh, and then senior pastor for over 15 years, uh, ending last June at, uh, in, in La Salle. Anna was the director, the, the district women's uh, ministries director for over nine years for the province of Quebec, very active in ministry and holding conferences and uh, inspiring women from all over. We were serving the Lord and we were loving our family now of four kids. I had a beautiful wife who loved me and supported me, inspired me to greater heights in God and relationships. It was sunny, it was warm, it wasn't perfect, but it was summer, thank God. <laughs> but summer finally comes to an end and, and then the fall begins and you have the beauty of the colors and the harvest the cooling of the weather, the chilling, the leaves falling. And fall can be a beautiful time. You know, you take those drives out to the Laurentians or the eastern townships and see the, the, the beautiful nature, uh, the colors, so many colors. And uh, it's just a nice time. The harvest is plentiful and you can enjoy the fruit of your labors. Our children are gone. You've seen some of the pictures. We're empty nesters. We're at a different stage in life, uh, enjoying this time together. But fall leads to winter, and perhaps as the leaves are falling and decaying, so is your life. Perhaps love is diminishing. You see the flaws of your partner. Conflict is building. There are both family and work pressures, no time for self. Fall eventually leads to winter, and so it did in our circumstances in our lives. Ron? My eldest daughter, Stephanie, struggled with the death of her mother, nine years old, 
And even though she had a new mother, it was difficult, difficult for her to accept it, the fact that there was this change. Eventually, when she got to be 13 years old, she started running away from home. And I remember several times catching her. We'd get up in the morning, we'd go downstairs to her room, and the window was wide open, the screen was off, and she had run away. Well, she got involved with the wrong crowd, and eventually um, was drawn into a lifestyle that um, led her into sex trafficking. There was a point where we were working with the, the, the youth protection and trying to find her with the police and... Uh, but there was a six-month period where we didn't know where she was. And all we know is that uh, she basically wanted to not live at home anymore. We put out uh, pictures in missing children across North America, as far away as Hawaii, asking and trying to get people to see if they could find her or, or let us know where she is. Uh, no news at all. We didn't know if she was alive or she was dead. I remember trying to do ministry. I remember so clearly one Sunday morning trying to get up to speak and to encourage other people, but I felt I needed prayer more than they did. And I remember I couldn't speak that Sunday morning, and I just came down in front of the congregation. I said, listen, I said, I just, my, my daughter is lost, and we're broken, we're hurting inside. Can you come and pray for me? And I imagine them gathering around me in front, praying over me. We're crying out to God for her. That is a meeting I will never forget. And so we go to, in 1994, to out west in um, Calgary. There's a general conference of the PAOC. And uh, while we're there, uh, we figured, well, we're going to go maybe and uh, visit my parents who were in Kelowna at that time. And while we were in Kelowna, something inside of us said, why don't you take a little trip to Vancouver? We had known that one day Tanya had, uh, Stephanie had said, We'd lo I'd love to go to Vancouver, but we had no idea where she was. So we went to Vancouver and uh, basically went to social services saying, listen, we're trying to find our daughter. She's missing for six months. We don't know where she is. And they, they sort of laughed at us and said, what can we do to help you? We don't know where she is went to the police, the police refused to help us. So the first night we were there, we went out in the streets in east side of Vancouver, and just in, in our car driving in the streets, and we come to the corner of First Avenue and Quebec Street. And all of a sudden I say to, Tan to Anna, there's Stephanie on the corner. She had a long, uh, blonde hair. hair, short, short skirt, she was working the streets. And I remember getting out of the car and running to her and saying, Stephanie! And she looked at me and we embraced each other and she started to cry and I started to cry. I said, I found you! Come back with us. We love you. She said, Dad, what are you doing in Vancouver? I said, I believe God sent us to find you. It was like a, a needle in the haystack. Imagine in all of Vancouver that we would come across her after just a few hours. And then two guys come out of the shadows and start fighting with me and push me aside and saying, leave her alone, she's working for us. And they put her in a cab and she's gone and all of a sudden I'm left on the corner saying, Lord, if only I had been able to take her and throw her in the trunk of my car and somehow leave. But it was too late, she was gone. 
Then the police started wanting to help us. And every night from there on, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, every night, two to five in the morning, we are going up and down the streets trying to find her because now everybody wants to help us. Friday comes along and there's nothing. And so we end up going back to Calgary, crying out, saying, Lord, why is it that we had her and we lost her? Back in Calgary now, we received two phone calls. One was from a uh, provincial newspaper that comes out Sunday morning, and they wanted information, and uh, they had this there. They want to rescue daughter from streets. And they put it out Sunday morning, and I gave them a picture and everything there. It was actually in this big provincial paper, and it was her picture on the front page. It was Commonwealth Games in Victoria, and she was right next to the Queen of England, actually, at that time. And then after that, another phone call came in from a television pro station. They wanted to do a news report on us being in Vancouver. We send them information, and so now Sunday comes along. And she gets a phone call saying, Stephanie, you're on the front page of the provincial newspaper. And they're talking about you with your picture on it. And the guy that was holding her, this, 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 this pimp, I guess, that was controlling her, was getting very nervous, saying, I am holding somebody now who's a minor. Because at this time, she's like maybe, what, about 15. 14, 15 years old. And uh, he can get in a lot of trouble. And so... Um, nothing happens then. Later in the day, around 6 o'clock, she's listening to the news. She doesn't like news. She was flipping the stations, actually, and just came across the station and listened to a few moments. What captured was she saw her picture on the TV, which talked about her and about our desire to find her. And with that, she started to cry, and the guy with her said, this is a hot potato. I can't deal with this girl anymore. And he brought her to the police station and just left her there. And they brought her all the way back to Montreal. We met her again. But then he came all the way back from Vancouver and went to the place where she was staying and took her, captured her once more, and took her back. Well, she eventually was able to escape from him and eventually married a person in the States and got into Portland, Oregon, and there had a, some children. And uh, basically we find that she's now living a life that is an illegal alien in the States. She's uh, really lost. And for 25 years we're praying, Lord, would you do something in her life? Would you save her? We talked to her on the phone, but many times we didn't know what she was up to, but she was surviving and doing things she shouldn't be doing, obviously, uh, and eventually would have several children. And I, today I have four grandchildren with her. Uh, but then in 2017, when she was at rock bottom, living in a tent somewhere and uh, just, just couldn't go forward anymore, she went to a Christian rehab center called Shepherd's Door, a rescue mission in Portland, and there she found Jesus. She got delivered from the drugs, the sex trafficking, and basically found a new reason to live, and, and after 25 years of praying for her, her life was transformed, and today we can't get over the, amount, the miracle that took place in her life at that time, and we give God glory that he gives back our daughter. The reason why I remember the last time I spoke here 
was because that evening we went through another winter storm. Our daughter Tanya comes to me and says, Mom, I can't blink my eye. And all of a sudden I could see her face was paralyzed. We take her to the hospital. She's misdiagnosed with Bell's palsy when she really had Ramsey-Hunt syndrome. Justin Bieber just had that, so you know what it is. Okay, as shingles in the ear that causes facial paralysis. Because they misdiagnosed her, she ended up not getting on antivirals and was in excruciating pain, which uh, caused, eventually caused neurological difficulties. She could not be in a room with people because of the noise. Everything was intensified. For two and a half years, she lived like this, having to stay at home, couldn't go out and be, be in public. Two and a half years, she thought her life was over and would have to live like a hermit the rest of her life. But you know, God answers prayers. And he directed us to a doctor in Ottawa where she was able to find treatment that helped her, help her hearing to come back to normal. And today, as I mentioned before, she's successful. She's living in Gatineau outside of Ottawa. She's a psychotherapist who's in demand and uh, just serving the Lord. That's what God does. You see, for Stephanie, we prayed 25 years. For Tanya, two and a half years. I was alone for 10 years. We don't know the time span, but you know, God does answer. And what he expects from us is faithfulness because in the end, he is more than faithful towards us. So I encourage you today to keep on being faithful towards God. He sees where you are. He knows where you are. He knows your address and he will come through for you. So I thank God for, for the 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 faithfulness and what he's done in our lives and how we have been able to share our story. And I hope that there's been something today that has been meaningful to you that you can take home with you. As we conclude this morning, there was a verse tucked away in the Psalms that just jumped out at us from Psalm 81, verse 16. It says, but you would be fed with the finest of wheat with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. What's the meaning of honey in the Bible? Obviously, it's there about 61 times in scriptures. Often, it's associated with prosperity and abundance. Some believe the psalmist may envision bees nest under some rocky crag or in the clefts of rocks, some kind of delicious wild honey somehow. But I believe this verse and its meaning goes far deeper than that. Yeah, honey has nutritional benefits, uh, but unlike wheat meant mostly to give you nutrition, honey adds sweetness and joy to eating. You see, God not only offers nutrition, but he also brings pleasure to those who li live by his words. Sometimes we think we're, we're obeying God and that it's just like, oh, the cost is too great. Lord, I just can't continue anymore. But despite the rocky circumstances, God says that there's honey from the rock that will come forth. In Psalm 81, God reminded his people that he supernaturally brought them out of Egypt and provided for them in the 40-year wilderness journey and says to them in Psalm 81, O Israel, if only you would have listened to me, open your mouth wide and I will fill it with good things. 
And Psalm 81 talks about how the Hebrew people failed to trust the Lord when the situations we're going through were rock hard. Eventually, he, God says to them, but no, my people wouldn't listen. Israel did not want me around, so I let them follow their own stubborn desires, live according to their own ideas. Sounds like us sometimes, doesn't it? And God wants much more for us, but often we, God's hands are tied. But he says to us, open your mouth wide, I will fill it. Isn't that like us today? God offers us his way, but we end up going another way. And again, we have here in Psalm 81, oh, that you would listen to me. There's so much more that I want to do for you. I would satisfy you with honey from the rock. And so we find here that whatever your rock situation is, God wants to bring honey out of the rock. I believe the verse that Jesus gives to us is really something that we can apply this morning from John 7, where we read this, that anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Note clearly here, it says four words. Are you thirsty? Then you come. Then you drink. And then the Spirit of God that Jesus sent because he's glorified, conquered death, conquered sin, seated at the right hand of the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't just be a memory, but that he would be a reality in whatever rock situation you're going through today. And so today, I want you to know that like us, your best days are still ahead of you. And I want us to sing a song this morning, and I'm going to invite the musicians to come back, if they will, please. And we will sing a song called Honey in the Rock. I just thought it was such a great, great song for this type of message. And maybe you're going through a rock-hard situation where you say, I just can't take it anymore. God is the one that can bring water out of a rock in the Old Testament. He can bring manna in a desert where there is no food. And he can bring life where there's death or where there is a situation that's insurmountable beyond you. It's like God says, open your mouth wide, I will fill it. And today I believe God is bringing you to a place of faith to again believe and just trust him for your future that honey would come from the rock. Would you stand with me? And after we're finished, we're going to have a closing prayer together. But try and follow along the words and sing them if you can with the musicians who have prepared this song.
don't need to worry now that I know Everything I need you've got There's honey in the rock, purpose in your plan Power in the blood, healing in your hands Started flowing when you said it is done Everything I need I keep looking, I keep finding You keep giving, keep providing I am all that I need You are all that I need I keep praying You keep moving I keep praising You keep proving I am all that I need You are all that I need I keep looking I keep finding You keep giving Keep providing I
finish up today, we're just going to give you an opportunity to respond. And uh, we've got little pockets over here on this side and on this side by the coffee station. Or if you want to come right down to the front, you can. Just watch out for the wires. And myself and Pastor Ron, Pastor Anna will be here to pray for you. Maybe there's something that you connected with in the message and you just want to talk to somebody and have kind of a point of contact and agreement. There's a need in your life and you say, I just need prayer. If God can do it for them, then maybe God can do it for me too. Father, we, we thank you for the opportunity we have to witness your faithfulness. I pray you'd move in, in people's lives, even in these moments that we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. You can come as amen. you wish. I'd invite everyone to come down, please. Just everyone come down, fill up the front here. Just leave your seat, bring your kids with if you want. Just stand up front here or on the second level too. But if you can come down for a second, we're gonna end together in a collective prayer that we are gonna pray that God would truly bring honey from the rock that maybe you're going through in your life because Jesus said to come and to drink and that he would flow within our lives. Hallelujah, rivers of living water would flow in our lives. That's right, just come right now up front. I'll give you a minute to come. If you would just leave where you are and meet us up front, please. I thank you for doing that this morning. Hallelujah. Lord, just prepare our hearts. Do a work in us even now, Lord. Hallelujah. That's right, in the, in the very front here. Come, come over in the center over here. That's right, come down this way, here in the front. Come on, don't be afraid. Over there too, just come right down to the front. In the front area especially. That's right. Hallelujah. That's it, just bring your kids with you too. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, come around the side, up to the very front. Amen, amen. What a great congregation. Thank you for being so attentive. God's got something special for you today. Uh, amen. Maybe we can just, just put the music down lower and just we'll pray right now. Uh, hallelujah. Father, I want you to take the hand of somebody next to you and let's just believe God. There are some circumstances that you're going through. You needed this message and hopefully it's inspired faith in you. But we believe this morning that something is going to change in your life and in your circumstance. Uh, so I, I want you to, this morning to believe with me. There are some of you this morning that are just impossible situations outside of God's intervention. You need a miracle today. And we thank God that He is truly the same as He's always been. And He said, believe and you shall receive. And we just thank you, Lord, today for the outpouring of your Spirit. And you said, Lord, that you are what's impossible with men is possible with God. And I pray in these situations that some are going through today lord there would be healing oh god in jesus name i pronounce healing in jesus name i pray for healing right now of bodies that are sick i pray for healing of our relationships that are broken i pray for healing our memories that have truly scarred people's lives because of things they've experienced that they can't seem to overcome lord we thank you that your grace is greater than all our sin and we thank you for forgiveness 
forgiveness. And today, Lord, cleanse us by the blood of Jesus and make us whole and clean before you with the righteousness of Christ. Lord, we thank you today you're on your throne and you're doing a work in each life, giving hope and a bright future. And you're going to turn it around because you are faithful to the very end. Pastor Anna, if you'll just lead us in prayer now. Father, we know that there are times when the night is dark. We sang about the night earlier this morning, and it can be dark and hopeless. But Lord, we know that you are a God who stands by us. You have said you will never leave us nor forsake us. And so this morning, we thank you for your faithfulness towards us. We know, Lord, that what you have said in your word, we can stand upon that truth, that you will always be there for us. You will be there to strengthen us. You will be there to encourage us. You will be there as our guide. You will be there to bring us joy and peace within Despite the circumstance, Father, we are so thankful for your faithfulness and what you are going to do in these different situations of people that have come forward today. Lord, perhaps it's a financial crisis, perhaps it's illness, perhaps it's separation and divorce. Lord, you know the situation and we ask that you move and bring hope in that situation. Lord, may they see the light at the end of the tunnel today. Lord, that they will realize that you are there and that you will bring good from this situation. So we entrust our situations to you this morning, Lord. We leave them in your hands because they are best there. Father, we make a mess of things, but we know that if you are leading and guiding, you will bring good out of our situations. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. No matter the season you're going through, I believe that God has something special for you. Why don't we thank God today and just give him praise for what he's going to do today. Thank you, Lord, for what you're accomplishing in our midst. And if God does something special in your life, please give him praise and testify to that fact and let others know that he receives glory. Would you greet somebody next to you today and say, you've been in the right place and something good God has for you in the days that lie ahead. Come on, encourage one another as you leave this place this morning.
fountain for the thirsty, lover for the Glory to the home, crowns full of faithful. This is our God. This is our
Thanks so much.